episode of the Writer's Corner live show, we're going to be talking to an amazing author, Natasha Dean. Her book has been nominated for several awards and her novel, The Signs and Wonders of Tuna Rashad, was nominated CBC Top 14 Canadian Young Adult Books to Watch. Don't go away. We'll be right back with the Writer's Corner live show. If you've just joined us, you're watching the Writer's Corner live show. I'm Bridgette Limbanda from Cape Town in South Africa. And in today's show, we're going to be talking to author Natasha Dean. If this is your first time watching the show, then do let us know. We'd be happy to give you a shout out to welcome you. Our stream is made possible by StreamYard, Creative Edge, and be live media so a warm welcome wherever you are watching us on any of our platforms where we are live um, you are welcome to let us know and um, we would love to give you a shout out or just acknowledge you we love talking to our audience and if you've got a question for our author please don't hesitate to ask one of the things that we love doing on the writer's corner live show is helping authors level up because Authors around the world are still um, introducing their books online to their readers because things have not quite gone back to what we call normal, where um, I think some authors have started doing online, start doing signings in person and doing appearances, but that's not, I don't see that normalizing in the near future just yet. So one of the things that we recommend that you do if you are still promoting your books um, online is that you invest in something like a, a web webcam, which Mary and I both use, both use the Logitech Brio. We love the camera because it's got a technology built into it that will automatically adjusts to your lighting conditions. But first and foremost, you want to make sure people can hear you. And uh, so what we recommend is either a condenser microphone. Uh, I use the Samsung Logitech. But if you don't want to use a big microphone, we do recommend that you invest in something like the um, Rode Lavalier microphone, which is a simple clip-on microphone, but will make a huge difference and people will hear you clearly. And one other tip that we like to share with people on the show is that a lot of the authors use their phones to go live, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you ever wondered why there's black lines on the side when you're using your phone, you can fix that simply by turning your phone into landscape, and you'll have a bigger real estate. Um, you can use your hands to make gestures and be a bit more interactive and show your book and not try and share that tiny little screen when you're in portrait mode with um, with a book and so people can see you. I'm going to bring on my amazing co-host Mary Elizabeth Jackson. We've been doing the show together for um, for just on four years now. Mary is a uh, award-winning author, children's book author in her own right. She's also a disabilities advocate and a ghostwriter. 
So welcome to the show, Mary. How are you today? Fantastic. I'm excited to be here. I know it's so weird to say four years, isn't it? Because it feels like yesterday we just started and we have met, um, I'll use a plethora, that word, uh, of authors over the years. And um, today is no less exciting than every time we do a show. So uh, we're just so grateful to have the authors that we have met and get to learn about them. And we get to share an amazing woman today, don't we? Absolutely. We've, we've just met some of the most amazing, amazing authors that you possibly ask for. And uh, so for anyone who's not met our author today, Natasha Dean, she is a multi-genre author. Um, she teaches introduction to children's writing at the University of Toronto. She's published over 30 books for children, young adults and adults. That's a lot of a lot that's a lot of writing <laughs> yes <laughs> um and and work has won several awards she was nominated for or she won her book in the key of Neera gandhi won the 2020 amy mathers teen book award and the book we're going to focus on today which is the signs and wonders of tuna rashad was nominated the cbc top 14 Canadian young adult books to watch. So let's not waste That's any more time. That's amazing. I that is know amazing. She, she's yes. amazing. Let's welcome our author to the show, shall we? Oh, what a great introduction. I, I think I want to like record, keep that in my back pocket when the writing gets rough. Just be like, oh, no, I, I remember what was said. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because we need that motivation sometimes when things are kind of in a lull or, or we are feeling kind of down or, you know, yeah, we do need that motivation. So you've got the video now, Natasha. <laughs> it's mine, man. It's mine. That's right. uh, thank, you, thank, you both, thank you both for having me here. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. No, we're so glad it's an absolute pleasure. Oh my goodness. We just, you know, the, I, I never get tired, even after four years, we meet so many phenomenal authors from around the globe. You know, for anyone who doesn't know, Mary and I have been doing the show together for four years and we've never met in person, but we're the best mm -hmm. of friends, you know. Yeah, so you really, this medium is just phenomenal because, mm -hmm. you know, you feel, you literally feel like you're sitting around the table. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's you just having a casual chat, and I know a lot of people are averse to the whole idea of appearing on camera. And, you know, it looks like you talk to an inanimate object, um, <laughs> but you know, when you get into this, it just feels so natural and normal. And you know, mm -hmm. I'm just sort of wanting to say to people, just jump onto camera. It just it's so much more intimate than just voice. <laughs> No, yes, it's really so, nice. And you're right above me in Canada, and Virgetti is in South Africa, and I'm in the States. So we are definitely global. <laughs> 
And we have people who watch us from all over the world. It's really amazing. We know authors that are sprinkled all over the planet. And, um, you know, it's interesting to be on this journey together. It really is an interesting journey. And we're all trying to do the same thing. Write a great book, put great words out there, help people, inspire people, motivate people, you know. And and um, so sharing is very important, isn't it? Because we hope that you will have some new fans from our audience. And uh, maybe we'll have some new fans from your audience. And it works out great. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that completely. So talking about journeys, you said, Mary, um, Natasha, can you just give us a, a sort of a, a short, abbreviated version of your journey into becoming an author? You know, did you just one day wake up and decide you're going to write? Um, mm -hmm. How did that work out for you? Uh, so when I was a kid, I mean, you know, a lot of us want to be writers. And um, I read uh, Gordon Corman's This Can't Be Happening at McDonough Hall. And in the author bio, it said that he had published his book when he was 13. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Uh, so I asked the teachers and the librarians and, you know, my folks, like, how do, how do you do this? And no one had an answer. So I thought perhaps that being an author was a little bit like winning the lottery, you know. Um, and so I set that down for a very, very long time and, and sort of went into sort of, you know, grown up things. You know, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a psychologist. Um, and it was during school that I started, university started writing to sort of keep my, keep my sanity. Um, and what happened was I read a really terrible book. Like it was just horrendous. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, okay, it's, it's one of two things. Right, either being a professional writer is much, much harder than I think, or this author has no respect for our audience. And then I thought, okay, big mouth, you know, put put your money where your your mouth is. It's it's so easy to sit on the sidelines and criticize. Uh, and this time, like you know, 2005, 2006 ish, you know, we had the internet, and and I could go and do research and and all those kinds of things. And that's what started the journey. Was a terrible book. Um, and, you know, 15, 20 ish years later, uh, I realized I was right on both counts. Um, writing is much harder than we ever sort of give it credit for, but also she did not respect her audience. And I feel like that's, that's rule number one of, of any author is you respect your audience or go home and don't write that book. Um, that is, yeah. I mean, you just said it all there. <laughs> it is such a... It is a very elusive world um, because it's sort of like, where do you find a publisher and how do you learn about this and how do you know what to do and, and not get taken for, you know, um, it, it's, it's really hard. You need to definitely talk to somebody who's already doing it and get advice from them um, is, and you probably get asked questions all the time, I'm sure. So we want to know more about the book we're discussing today and the character Tuna. So, you know, what, where did the, the character come from? Usually it's somebody in our life, you know, uh, for writers, it's great because you can write a story or a scene to work out something that maybe didn't work out in your life. So it's kind of cool to be able to do that. You know, you want to punch somebody <laughs> in your life as you can, you can punch them in a story, you know, uh, your character can. So can you tell us like what inspired this character for you? Um, well, th there was a couple of things that sort of came together. Uh, one was the growing welcomeness for their stories and for characters who are not, you know, sort of what we think of as the traditional type of character. 
um, there was also a conversation with one of my family members where we were talking about a younger family member who was like super loving, really, really caring about their elders, but also in that caring was kind of, you know, overbearing in, in how they sort of went about, you know, um, micromanaging their elders uh, care and, and health. And I just thought it was hilarious. I thought it was so funny that this person in their love was sort of making life really difficult for, for the seniors in their lives. Um, and I thought, wouldn't that be hilarious if, you know, that was a character? And then I thought, actually, the funnier thing is if my character has to deal with this person. And so that's how Robbie, the brother, uh, came about. And then Tuna is trying to deal with Robbie. Um, and really it was, the whole book is just sort of a celebration of family and Guyanese culture. And Tuna was a lot of fun to write because she is unapologetically herself. She's an aspiring screenwriter. Um, she believes in the Caribbean philosophy that your ancestors watch over you. And so you're always aware of your surroundings because they will send you signs to tell you, Hey, I'm, I'm looking out for you. I'm protecting you. You know, that, that thing you're wondering about, like, here's, here's what I think sort of thing. Like, here's, here's the sign. Um, and so that was, that was really fun to, to create her. And then also just writing a, a super funny story. So it was sort of like all those, all those things coming together to create Tuna, who is just trying to ask out her crush, Tristan, and trying to do this all while dealing with her very overbearing, but super loving brother, Robbie. Uh, who is also dealing with the, with grief because um, he's just lost his his husband. So it's like all those things, and you know, of course, she's got to do it all before sons, and she moves to Georgia for school. That is amazing. Such a great um, and interesting storyline, or should I say, a relatable storyline for for many people. So I want to ask you a question coming from. Um, South Africa and Africa, where we have so many diverse cultures. Um, in South Africa, for example, we have 11 official languages, if you can believe that, in one country. Um, and we're hoping to add sign language as a 12th official language in the next couple of months. We don't have it, but we soon will have um, sign language as an official language added as well. What does it mean for you to have Tuna um, as a representation of a diverse culture and, and, and what made you want to do that? I, I know here in Africa, for example, for little for, for, for a lot of people, being able to read a book that represents their culture is a huge deal. <laughs> What was that like for you? Um, well, for, for Tina and, and the representation of the culture, uh, it, it really is a big deal. You know, Guyana is a very small country. Um, there's not a lot of folks that know about us and, and our culture. And we sort of, in this, we're in this weird place because we're considered Caribbean, um, but we're actually part of South America. And we're part of South America, but we're the only English-speaking country in South America. So there's all these um, very kind of interesting places we inhabit. And, you know, the the idea wasn't just to like celebrate the culture, but I think also for many of us who come from sort of non-Western culture, uh, there's this idea that we can be diverse, but only so diverse, you know, like quietly diverse. 
And I just kind of wanted to turn up the volume on that, you know, and, and, uh, and it's, and, and so that, that's why I have Tuna, um, you know, listening for the ancestors and, and, and watching for these signs, because that is core of, you know, and part of who she is. And I love the fact that as a character, she doesn't apologize for it. She's, she's science oriented. She loves math. She loves the arts and creative, but this part of who she is, and she's not going to justify or rationalize it to anyone, which sort of puts her in obstacle with um, both Tristan and Robbie at different points in time. Um, but I really wanted her to be strong and to be powerful. And like I said, and just not, not sort of like, you know, bow and, and drop her gaze when, when these things came up. Uh, but to just say, nope, this is, this is it. And this is part of my culture. And, you know, from like a personal standpoint too, um, it's something that I've always been really curious about in terms of like the history and the origin of where this came from, you know, like, was it because we are a culture that was formed from slavery and indentured servitude? And was this a rebelliousness of the, the ancestors that came before us who said, you can, you can steal our children, you can steal our spouses, but even in death, you cannot stop the love we have for each other. We will watch out for them. We will, you know, always be there for them. Um, or was it just a really great way for adults to make sure that the kids were behaving when they weren't in the room, right? Like, oh yeah, no, go ahead, go, go play. But remember, you know, great aunt so-and-so is watching out. So be be aware and we'll we'll know. She'll tell us if you're misbehaving, you know. And there's a poor kid just being like, oh, okay. You know, that's so, a good that's a good yeah. way to that's a good way to keep kids aligned. Somebody's watching. <laughs> right. you know? Right, I yeah, well we have yeah, what is it over here? It's the elf, right? At Christmas. And it's only that time of year, right? <laughs> the, the shelf on the elf or uh, elf on the shelf. Sorry, I can't even that's talk it, about that's it, it, but, Yeah. But you know, I, I'm I just think it's so amazing the respect for ancestors that happens in most of the cultures across the, the globe that you don't always see in the Western culture. And it's, it's, I don't understand it because the elders hold the wisdom mm -hmm. and um, you know, they, they should be the guides for those that are underneath them, you know? So with your tuna character, do you, um, do you see yourself in this character? Or is it completely fictional? Like, is it, like your avatar <laughs> yeah. she's she is much more confident and um what's the word fierce than i could ever be like i am perpetually anxious about everything and you know and i second guess uh no i don't i second third a hundredth guess everything i say and do you know and she on the island is just like nope this is what i want this is what i'm gonna go for I mean, she's going to ask out Tristan. I never had the question to ask out anyone. So in a lot of ways, yeah, she's totally, she is totally my fantasy person where I'm like, well, maybe if I'm really lucky when I grow up, I can be like her, you know? <laughs> that is the beauty of writing, isn't it? <laughs> so so when, when you look at Tuna as a character, um, what do you hope your your readers would walk away with um, from the story? Oh, that's a great question. And I have, I have sort of like two answers to that because on the one hand, I don't ever really have a core intention of what I want people to walk away from because, and I think this is sort of like 
the magic of what a story is, right? Like I, I can give everybody in the world a copy of Tuna. And so they will all have the same book, but no one's gonna read the same story. Because at the moment in time we start reading a story, our hopes, our dreams, our past, like all of it comes in and it, it filters in and it colors these stories. So all of a sudden, the story I've written is not necessarily the story you're reading. So I'm I'm writing a story saying, oh, this, this is a cat. And someone else is gonna read that story and go, no, 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 this is an elephant. And someone else says, oh, no, 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 this is a tiger. Um, so on the other hand, I really just want to create a space where uh, readers can come to it at whatever level and take from it whatever they want. Um, but if I had to choose something, I would want, I think, it to be that um, different is beautiful. You know, like who we are as individuals, it's it's our quirks, our eccentricities, the unique ways that make the world that um, make the world better and more interesting, you know, and whenever I do school visits, I always talk about that with, with kids, like, yeah, you know, like, uh, you want to, if you want to walk into a garden that has nothing but red roses, like that is beautiful, but walk into a garden that has different colored roses and buttercups and daffodils, and all of a sudden, like, that's a garden, right? So our, our different ways of, of coming to the world are just glorious and beautiful and I hope um, in the same way that uh, people you know love Tuna because of her her individuality that that also um, gives them the strength and space to also embrace their own individuality. Mm, and do we need that more than ever right now right embracing who we That's are perfect. but being okay with who everybody else is as well is so so very vitally important otherwise you know, we'd have one spice on the planet, right? We just have pepper or we just have salt or we just have turmeric. And well, some people can't handle yeah. turmeric all the time, but you know what I mean? Right. I love turmeric, but I, I, I mean, mean right? yeah, so it's the same way with people. And um, we would love for you to read um, from the book so you we can give our audience a little bit of taste and then, you know, they're going to just have to go get it because it's going to be so amazing. So, all right. So I'm going to read, um, where Tuna and, and Robbie meet up for the for the first time. And so uh, Robbie has shown up at the door of the house and Tuna doesn't want to let him in. Uh, and so Robbie says, Tuna, you ninny, open up. How do you know it's me on the other side? Because mom and dad would have opened the door by now. No, you're the worst brother in the world. I'm not surrendering to whatever weird thing you're going to make us eat tonight. Look at the video monitor. On my screen to the left, he shifts towards the camera. I open the door and take hold of the cake box. You're still the worst brother in existence, but you may enter. He grins and steps inside. Backward, I shove him out the door. Tuna, don't be superstitious. Robbie, respect the rules of the house. He grins, but steps backwards into the house then spins and smiles at me. The worst, the very worst thing about my brother, the tyrant, AKA Robbie Hosea Rashad is how very, very much I love and adore him. Robbie wraps me in a tight hug and typical sibling puts just enough pressure into it that I'm certain I can hear the faint crackling of hairline factors forming across my ribs. And then, so they they sort of have this quick conversation where Tuna um, is hammering him about the way he's dressing, uh, you know, um, and then uh, they move in, they move into the kitchen. <clears throat> And uh, 
and she says to him, he says to her, like, you know, go, go open it up, uh, open the box. Um, and uh, she, she says, she takes the box into the kitchen and she says, what kind of cake? And he says, look, there's a lift in his words. And from 18 years of being his sister, I know it's going to be a very good cake or he's put some Nimrod prank into it. I set the box on the countertop and lift the pink lid with cautious fingers. When nothing jumps out at me, I lift it the rest of the way. Inside is a cake decorated with a tuna fish swimming underwater. Above the waves are a trio of butterflies, pink, purple, and orange. No blue ones. That's not an oversight, it breaks my heart just a little. Tuna for the little fish, butterflies, because she loves them. It's chocolate on the inside, he says, and gives me a kiss on the top of my head. You're the worst kind of tyrant. What kind is that? A loving one. And so uh, I share that scene because it sets up the conflict, right? It's, it's really easy for us to stand strong against um, people that we, we don't necessarily like or we just, it's much harder to stand up and give the hard truths to the people that we love and we respect and we look up to. Um, and that's what, that's what Tuna's going to have to do uh, if she's going to help Robbie deal with his grief over losing his husband. Wow. That is amazing. Just absolutely love that. Um, Natasha, tell us a little bit about the cover. How did you come up with that cover? It's a beautiful cover. Can I, oh my gosh, can I just do a shout out? This is, this is the Running Kids design team who I love and adore because they come up with the most beautiful covers. Um, and this was, this was all them, you know, I mentioned, I like, we, we talked about Tuna and her love of butterflies and how butterflies um, are sort of like this magical realism within the, the scope of the story, right? Uh, are the ancestors sending it to her or is she just looking for butterflies and taking meaning from, from the world? Um, and they were like, oh, okay, well, what do you, what do you think about this? And I was like, I think I'm going to sleep with this at night and just cuddle it like a bear. That's what I think. Um, but yeah, it was, it was all, all their gloriousness, not, nothing to do with me. I wish. Wow. It, it really is beautiful. And you know, it's um, a book you cover can make all the difference between somebody buying it and somebody not buying it. So it's just one of the most vital key vital key ingredients of being an author and a writer, isn't it? No, it really is. And can I just show you like, this was what they did for the paperback of Nira and oh. just like the little tiny detail with, you know, the cutout of the, the trumpet, because the, the trumpet is Nira, um, Nira's best friend in the book and just like these little tiny details and if you ever see the hardcover for this book it is like this glorious hot pink magnificence like just mm -hmm. i i wish i wish i had that level of, of visual like being able to visualize and put into illustration um what i see in words but it's very it's it, people do yeah right i know it's a real talent people have not everyone can do it that is absolutely gorgeous. And, you know, I, I want to just circle back to something you said right in the beginning, which I thought was very, very special, um, you know, when you said that an author should have respect for their readers. I don't think I've heard anyone else sort of vocalize that, um, you know, because when you write with your audience in mind, um, you pay attention to the tiniest little bit of detail in the book mm -hmm. and how you present 
that work of art to your audience. I think that's phenomenal. Natasha, thank you so much. It was amazing chatting to you um, on our show today. And we would definitely love to have you back again sometime. Any final words for, for readers out there that you'd like to say before the close of the show? No, just th thank you for spending time with, with us today. And thank you for spending time with my books and, and my fellow writers' books. And to all of the, you know, there's someone out there in your life who is um, a reluctant or struggling reader, give them the same piece of advice my mom gave me. Pick up the book, read the first five pages. If you don't like it, go ahead and put that book down. It just wasn't for you. Uh, go ahead and, and find another book, right? But there, there is a book there for you. So five pages and don't feel like you got to finish it. That is awesome advice. And we're going to close the show out with that. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. Mm -hmm.